Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello, listener, and thank you for joining me today. Wow, what a week. I must admit I have mixed emotions at times like this. Professionally, we can become very focused on helping you, our clients, stay invested when the performance of your holdings is taking a hit. And I, actually, I really believe that it's in times like this that how you react is really key to long-term investment returns. So, you know, staying invested is a critical message we, we try to deliver to our clients. Personally, however, I get, I, I always get very interested, maybe even excited, and maybe it's the wrong word, but when I see a sea of red um, and I'm obviously looking to increase my own uh, investments as markets go on sale. So today uh, I have with me um, Abhilash Narayan, a senior investment strategist within the CIO office to discuss the implications of this exciting and in inverted commas week for investors. So good morning, Abhilash. How are you feeling? Well, it was a pretty long week, I guess. Good morning, Steve. Yeah, absolutely. It has been a long week. So feeling a bit exhausted, but uh, to your point, uh, feeling a bit uh, excited as, as well to, uh, to see whether we have some interesting opportunities to invest. Okay, so obviously we've seen massive volatility over the course of the past week. I mean, obviously oil, we'll talk about in a moment, has been the, the epitome of that, but we, other asset classes fluctuating quite significantly as well. Maybe I can get your perspective on how you think about investing during such volatile markets. Well, you rightly pointed out it has been a volatile week and, you know, sometimes we don't acknowledge that it's not only challenging to invest from an intellectual perspective, but also from an emotional perspective in, in times like these. I mean, just this week, we saw European equities rise by over 7% and oil decline by 10% in just one day. And all of that was just based on comments from Ukrainian officials that they were willing to talk to Russia. And this just goes to show the extent of bad news or downside that has been priced in the market. But more importantly, it's also a great reminder that investors face significant cost of missing out or what we call the COMO factor. Now, a lot of us may not realize, but for long-term investors, the cost of not being invested in the best days of the market is huge. So for instance, uh, if an investor missed out on just five best daily returns in S&P 500 since 1988, so that's almost 34 years, the cumulative return would be lower by almost 37%. And, in, and if investors miss the best 30 days, the cumulative returns over the last 34 years would be lower by you know, almost 80%. Now, we all know that timing the market is extremely difficult, even for professional money managers. So to your point, Steve, remaining invested and dollar cost averaging has time and again proven to be a good strategy to navigate such environments. And, in, and if investors have additional cash on sidelines, they may also want to consider accelerating their purchases in the current drawdown, since that as well has historically delivered superior returns as compared to simple time-based dollar cost averaging strategy. Yeah, I think you make a great point in terms of you know, trying to separate emotions from uh, you know the sort of more rational side of the brain. But it, it isn't easy, right? So I think you know we have to acknowledge that you know the one of the key risks facing us at the moment is the is the oil market. So uh, it's really been an amazing two years for oil prices, um, going from being paid to take delivery of oil in April of uh, of twenty twenty to touching. Uh, almost very briefly, actually, but over $140 this week. Um, 
higher oil prices, increases inflationary pressures. It also, um, you know, is, is implicitly a tax for businesses and consumers, so it can weaken growth. So how concerned are you about this, this threat to the global recovery? Well, there are no two ways about it. Higher oil prices, like you mentioned, are clearly a drag on global growth, especially from a consumption angle. Now, over the past week, we've seen some OPEC plus producers such as UAE uh, indicate their willingness to increase production. Uh, But we have seen decline in oil and gas exports from Russia. And when we combine that with low inventory levels, uh, it could mean that oil prices can stay above $100 per barrel for the next few months. Now, Overall, global growth is likely to be dented, but it's important to remember that we are starting from a strong point. So at start of the year, uh, for a number of major economies such as US and Europe, the expectations were that they would deliver above trend economic growth. So we do have some buffer to play with. But that being said, the risk of stagflation has clearly increased. And that is something that policymakers and investors will have to keep an eye out for. Okay, so let's move on to uh, policy reactions. That's obviously a very critical component of of any analysis that we do. So we've had some major announcements from Europe this week. So um, we're looking at the Fed next week as well, of course, which we'll talk about in a moment. But um, what do you make of Europe today? Well, if you look at the numerous developments uh, from coming from Europe this week, two really stand out to me. The first one is that we're starting to see contours of concerted policy action forming in Europe, uh, which could help the region counter growing stagflation risks. So for one, uh, EU officials will be meeting to discuss how to support regions' economies most impacted by the conflict in Ukraine and any agreement to share the dead burden uh, of EU members with an aim to subsidize the region's companies and consumers from rising oil and gas prices, as well as boosting defense spending, could be a major step forward uh, for EU fiscal policy. And this Uh, you know, more aggressive fiscal policy could also help counterbalance uh, the more hawkish ECB reaction we saw overnight, where they chose to accelerate uh, the winding down of bond purchase program. And this was primarily driven by inflationary concerns. So, you know, just last night, ECB unveiled its new uh, forecast that raised the inflation outlook this year from 5.1% to 5.1% from 3.2% earlier. Okay, so um, obviously we've got the Fed meeting next week as well. That's going to be the primary focus, I guess, for markets. They've taken a pretty hawkish stance of late. Um, Do you expect that to continue? Well, by and large, yes, because if you think about it, the Fed faces a similar challenge uh, from elevated inflation as, you know, what Europe does. And if you look at the latest February CPI data, which came out last night, it shows that uh, CPI rose at 7.9% year on year, which is the highest in four decades. And it's important to remember that the February data uh, was captured before the latest spike in oil prices. So for March data, obviously, uh, higher oil prices are probably going to uh, put an upward pressure on inflation. Now, if you look at long term inflation expectations in U.S., they have broken higher as well. And all of this just increases the pressure on Fed to hike rates to fight inflation, even as you know the continued flattening of the U.S. Treasury yield curve uh, suggests that in- investors are becoming increasingly concerned about the medium term growth. So, you know, all in all, while markets are you know, looking for a near certainty of a rate hike in the upcoming meeting on 16th March, we will also keep a lookout for you know, uh, Fed's medium term growth 
and inflation projections to see whether policymakers are uh, you know starting to become concerned about stagflation risks okay so i i guess you know when we're looking at global equities the the, the summary is that look the markets are pricing quite a lot of bad news already um policy drivers not necessarily turning totally supportive yet there are some positive signs there um but we're not necessarily out of the woods but uh, you know this still seems to be an opportunity for investors um to be averaging into so diversified allocations Let's move closer to home and look at Asia. So um, while we're talking about tightening in, in the US and Europe, um, markets, you know, was, well, sorry, we're looking for policy easing um, in, in this part of the world, um, particularly China, of course. Um, markets don't seem to be convinced that this is for real. Uh, my sense is people are maybe a little bit too focused on the global risks, but China has been easing for some time. And this um, following announcements this week looks likely to continue. So what do you expect here and what are the implications for Chinese equities? Thanks, Steve. No, Chinese equities are approaching a, a very key technical support level right now. So MSCI China is almost 5% above the key support level of 67. And, and this is important because MSCI China has fallen by about 45% since its peak in, in 2021. Now, this drop is already larger in magnitude when we compare it versus other significant pullbacks, such as the 32% drop in 2018 uh, amid trade war fears and the 43% decline in 2015 uh, post the cramdown on Asia margin financing. Uh, now, over the next 12 months or so, we think that Chinese technical, uh, so Chinese equities are sort of overdue for a technical rebound, uh, and we continue to view them as a preferred market within Asia Japan which in turn is a preferred region globally. Now, we see increasing evidence that China is likely to ease both fiscal and monetary policy further to achieve its ambitious 5.5% GDP growth target. Uh, and Chinese policies are in stark uh, contrast to US, where obviously monetary policy is uh, beginning to tighten. Uh, in addition to that, if you look at China's credit impulse, that has again bottomed out. So that's again positive uh, sign for the overall economic growth, but also for, for earnings growth. So we think that a lot of bad news as far as regulatory tightening is priced in and uh, Chinese equities uh, have a high likelihood of outperforming global equities in the next 12 months. Yeah, I think another factor that, that, that I think is important is obviously that the labor market's been loose, loosening there. So we've been seeing job losses coming through in China. And obviously that's particularly this year, but in any year, that's a, that's a significant factor, I think, in the decision-making um, um, stance of the authorities. So uh, we do expect further easing to come through. Does this change the outlook for China high-yield bonds? They've been pretty beaten up of late. If I look at my portfolio, that's one of, one of the areas worst hit. So what's the outlook there? Uh, absolutely. I mean, Chinese uh, high-yield property sector has been uh, battered by, uh, by this, uh, a string of, of concerns. And if I look at uh, their performance, they stand nearly 60% lower than the levels seen in May 2021, uh, making this an unprecedented sell-off. Now, authorities have taken a number of steps to ease the strain on, on property sector, including you know, easing sector restrictions in over 50 cities, reducing down payment, re payment requirements, and even relaxing mortgage rates. But clearly, these measures have fallen short of restoring market confidence. Now, the sharp decline that we have been seeing in property sales year to date, you know, just adds to the cash flow challenges for property sector developers, uh, especially since uh, the asset disposals have proceeded at a slower pace than anticipated. We also have a significant wall of maturities coming through in March and April. So, you know, the next few months could be volatile. 
But if we take a longer sort of uh, outlook, we think that the ambitious growth target set by Chinese authorities should lead to further support uh, for the sector in terms of loosening of policies, uh, especially for the developers. So, you know, while the sentiment remains fragile and bond prices remain low, uh, you know, we think that the uh, risk reward uh, remains skewed to the upside over the next six to 12 months, even if we see a bit of volatility in the near term. Okay, thanks, Abhilash. It's it's been really great talking to you as always. And thank you, listener, for joining us today. I hope that it's been useful when it comes to navigating through these challenging markets. Uh, I think the key message today is to stay invested in a diversified portfolio and look to add to holdings on weakness, as we believe this will stand you in good stead over the longer term. Um, How you respond in the coming days and weeks we believe will be critical to your long-term investment returns. As always, if you like what you've heard, please feel free to like, review and subscribe to the Money Insights podcast channel available on Google, Apple and Spotify podcast channels. You can also find a lot of our content on our LinkedIn Wealth Insights page, including some of our publications, blogs, opinion editorials and uh, videos. With that, I'll sign off. Please take care and stay safe until next week. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.